Hello, hello, and welcome to Dang Farrick, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Carlos, and I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Mendelson. And today we're going to be talking about Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, aka one of the greatest, the greatest movie oh. in all the world. You had to take it, didn't you? It's <laughs> <laughs> getting there. So yeah, the greatest movie or the greatest sequel, or I guess whichever one. Definitely but, the greatest sequel. Well, yeah, I don't know. Godfather Two has some has something to tell you though. You know, uh, I'm not that big of a fan of Godfather Two compared to the first one. Mm, well, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> but yeah, so today we're going to talk about we're going to continue on our discussion from last uh, episode where we talked about an, uh, episode four, New Hope, and we're going to talk a little bit about the behind the scenes facts uh, about how the production came to be, some uh, fun trivia along the way, and some of the things we think about the movie. Uh, especially in relation to the rest of the of the movies and how they all interconnect and all yeah. of that good stuff. And this one is going to be a little bit more toned down from the behind the scenes stuff compared to episode four, just because, you know, episode four was what started it all. We kind of had to give a lot more of an in-depth background of how Star Wars came to be. But with this, with Empire, you know, it's just a sequel and we're able to move more swiftly into the actual movie discussion itself. And speaking on moving swiftly, let's start it. So, uh, right off the success of the first one, the Star Wars, uh, Lucas was uh, forced to, well, he wasn't forced, but I mean, the first one made a lot of money, so you might as well make a sequel. <laughs> and he had the sequel rights, uh, as we discussed previously, the merchandising rights as well, which was a pretty penny, I'm sure. And um, he was tasked, rather, on making another one, but at the same time, he was a burden with uh, creating or, or rather solidifying the position of his production company, Lucasfilm, in order for it to be like a smooth operation. So when it came to do another one, uh, he needed a different director because he couldn't take the directing duties himself. And right. he would take a step back as a producer, or rather he hoped that he would be kind of like a, like a shotgun director. Is that a, is that a thing? <laughs> He wanted to be the creative head without having to actually be on set, you know, in charge of doing directing. Cause it, I mean, con compared to like a new hope, he was, he just had the most production hell you could ever imagine and was stressed beyond belief. So he didn't want that anymore. Yeah. And also this time around, he was actually self-financing the movie. So yes. it's, at this point, probably like the biggest independent movie of all time. It's funny, people don't think about that, but Star Wars <laughs> mo are mostly like independent movies. Like they, they really are. are. I mean, and the first one was Well, like we said in the, the previous episode, George Lucas is the epitome of the most famous and successful independent filmmaker there is. And, you know, it all spawned with the original Star Wars and his, his works previous to that. But even as Star Wars became immensely popular, they are still technically independent movies. Yeah. And you don't think about Which is that. It's crazy because, to think about. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all like huge blockbuster Giant tentpole blockbuster films, but they're actually independent films. So he hated the studios and he essentially became the, the thing he hated. It's very Darth <laughs> Vader-y. <laughs> I think he's talked about how he becomes, he kind of, uh, art imitates life and the other way around, I guess. 
um so yeah so this time it was like out of his own pocket which you know that's a, a huge investment and he had to take huge loans from the bank and that's a huge risk and he needed a steady hand as as a director and he recruited one of his uh, usc film uh teachers irvin kirshner whom he had great faith in and whom irvin uh always thought lucas was a a really interesting pupil and you know someone to look Uh, forward to his career mm-hmm. and so he offered it to Irvin Kirshner and originally Irvin Kirshner apparently wasn't very keen on it he was like uh, apprehensive because you had to make a follow-up to the most successful film of all time and how do you follow up with Star Wars you know and up, up until yeah. that point sequels had never been it wasn't really a thing and if they were they weren't successful they usually just fell flat on their feet so he's like why do i want to be the one to come in and destroy this thing yeah and um so he had I, he took some convincing i think but at the end you know i think it's just too an irresistible proposition imagine if you get that you can't turn down <laughs> the opportunity to direct a star wars movie i mean even if, even though it wasn't like still like as beloved as it is today it was still yeah. like it's the first one is great and you gotta make the second one come on yep. so uh he recruited um a writer, a great writer, Lee Brackett. She was known as a, as a great ty- sci-fi writer at the time. And she started writing on a draft uh, guided by Lucas. And unfortunately, she died like as she was still in the writing process. And not only that, but the scheduling, the shoot, uh, the start of shoot was like starting to, to show up on the horizon. And they, they were already constructing sets and they didn't have a script. So a little fun trivia as well is, um, you know, George Lucas also made the Indiana Jones movies. I guess he, he produced them. Yeah. And he wanted to recruit this uh, um, young screenwriter, Lawrence Kasdan, to write Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is the first Indiana Jones movie. And um, he was he recruited him and, you know, to write uh, Raiders and he turned in a draft of, Raider, of Raiders and he and George looked at it and was like, okay, very good. Let's have lunch. This is a story that Lawrence Kessin tells. Let's have lunch. So they go have lunch. And he's like, you know, I'm in big trouble because they have, they're building sets in London, you know, in England, and they, they don't have a script to shoot The Empire Strikes Back. And we have a really early draft. It's not finished. It's not done. And we have like a month to do it, a couple of weeks. And Lawrence Kasdan was like, well, don't you want to read Raiders of the Lost Ark first? You know, if I'm the guy for it. <laughs> and he was like, well, I'll read it tonight. And if I don't like it, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll call you tomorrow to take back the offer. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> That he's just so cavalier about it. About Like he didn't even see any of his writing before <laughs> are you are you gonna quote um lawrence kasdan at all in this podcast well yeah, trust, well, the, may, trust, the, trust the characters george yeah he has a great <laughs> we always used to say that we were living in la yeah. <laughs> but he said it to to jj abrams that's a different yeah you know, that's later uh so you know lawrence kasdan starts writing of course with the guidance of your george and like a lot of story conferences and Uh, things start coming together. They start uh, hashing out a script. Uh, the bones of the story were still there from Lee Brackett's draft, but you know the the minutia. The great thing about Lawrence Kasdan is always the, the crackling dialogue. He's great just, at oh, dialogue, the snappy dialogue, yep. and it's not forced and it's not um, trying the to. The comedy, especially, is just so 
on point, you know, like the comedy of empire is, is bar none. It's so good. But you know that... what's great about it? Sorry. What? Go ahead. Go I was going to say, no, the movie ahead. sustains a way darker tone than the first one. And it's still, but it's still, yes, exactly. And it, it, it manages to balance those two things. And I think not only it's uh, because of uh, Irving Kirshner, of course, amazing directing, but it, uh, the sophistication of it, the merging of the, the bubblegum fun little Flash Gordon aspect and the, the Wagner like opera of it, uh, yeah. that great match, it's in, in great part because of Lawrence Kasdan and Irving Kirshner. Yeah. And Absolutely. George was a great like godfather to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they start shooting, you know, the movie goes, you know, has some setbacks. They shoot in Norway, the, the snow scenes. Most of it is shot on England. And the, the movie was like, it was hard to put together in terms of money. But we'll go, we'll go through like uh, different behind the scenes facts as we go through the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Because the movie comes out in 1980, three years later after, after the first one. And the movie starts, the first thing you see, Tyler, what is it the first thing you see? So you see it suddenly, you know, you're sitting in the theater and you got your popcorn and the screen turns black and it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars pops on the screen and then you see it says episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. And people were probably very confused by that point. Yeah, like, <laughs> They're like, wait, the first... did I, did I yeah. miss, you know, all the, the previous films? And no, George just wanted to, he, he knew that he had more of the story to tell and he wanted to f- just be like, this is the middle point. You know, this is gearing towards the end point of the story. And he he knew he wanted to backtrack. Um, so it, it's just interesting how people literally saw this in theaters and just had no idea like that he was going this route. Yeah, but you know the the weird thing also is um, the so for people who don't know the original A New Hope didn't have in the title crawl in the original version of the movie. The ones you see now today do have Episode Four A New Hope. The yeah. original one didn't. The original, it just said which Star is Wars and then went right to the scroll. It went Star Wars and then it is a period of Civil War. Da, 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 you know, yeah. the rest of the story. There, was, there wasn't an episode. Yeah, that was added uh, in the 80s, actually. It was before yeah. the special editions that he added episode four, yeah. A New Hope. So this is the first time that you see the episode number in the crawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and pan down, you see a Star Destroyer again. But it's not a, in the middle of a war. You know, it's not in the middle of a battle. In it's, how many of the Star Wars films, though, does it start with a star destroyer it's just like are you asking there's me a lot of them i mean i don't yeah that's kind of like a tradition specific i'd have to think about it and i could probably give the right answer Episode but it would probably four five six seven uh, uh episode three as well is in the first shot of the movie several star yes. destroyers yeah i mean they were you know the um they were star destroyers yeah but it doesn't matter if it's imperial or not <laughs> anyways we digress <laughs> This is like the ultra nerd talk that we're yeah. getting into, so we apologize. It was for actually a Republican, a Republic Star Destroyer. I was gonna say Republican. This, this yeah. Conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we we start the movie. We pan down. What do we see, Tyler? Well, we see they are launching Imperial probe droids, mm-hmm. and one lands on Hoth, the ice planet. And uh, Luke Skywalker is riding around on his Tauntaun, 
which is a weird sort of creature. Yeah. Stub motion. It still looks good to the, to this day. Honestly, I like I I like that retro '80s look to it. Like it, it it's never bothered me. No, me neither. I mean, no. Even as a kid, like you could tell, like a New Hope, it was very like cobbled together. But Empire, you could tell the production values went went uh, straight up. Went up yeah. And that's something you can realize it right out of the gate. Exactly. It looks just so good. <laughs> yep. So, long story short, Luke ends up getting whomped by a wampa. <laughs> oh, he gets and a wampa is a basically an abominable snowman. <laughs> but the the really interesting thing Yeti. with this is they basically wrote this in because Mark Hamill got into a car accident and he had like a pretty bad facial, you know, there's scarring and um, he had stitches and yeah, he it, went under it, like it face gnarly. reconstruction. Yeah. He had surgery. facial reconstruction and they basically were like freaking out. Like, what do we do? And then they figured out a way to write it into the movie. Mm-hmm. To justify him looking a little bit different. I mean, it still looks like him, but you could tell he got beat up that he got a little beat up like the nose so, particularly but I, mean, we I like how details. they didn't pull some kind of like cheap move with it like they started out right from the gate with him just getting attacked by like a, a giant ice creature you know it's creepy right, it's cool. right, right, okay. and we see luke use the force i mean like physically use the force for the first time not you know shooting uh you know missiles down into the death star but actually using the force to lift the lightsaber out of the snow. Also, fun we, fact: this is yeah. the first time in Star Wars we see the Force pool. Like yeah. the the closest thing we've seen in A New Hope is Vader choking um, Mahdi, uh, that mm-hmm. official. But um, this is the first time we've seen like somebody levitate stuff with the Force. Yeah, it didn't happen in the first ones, and it's now something we think about the Force is like a, 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 a we take it for granted. Something well, that you can do with the we, we also know what Star Wars and the Force is by this point. Like, even people who haven't seen Star Wars know, like, what Force powers are. Yeah. But, you know, you got to think watching Empire for the first time, especially back in the 1980s, where, like, you've only seen A New Hope. Now you come in, you're like, holy shit, like, they're able to do this? Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. I mean. It keeps adding to the glossary of powers. <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. Yep. So that's something we start to see in more of the the films, not just this one, but we'll definitely get into that later because I I have quite a few uh, comments on <laughs> some of the powers we end up seeing. I love I love all the like one of the things I will tell you even in the new Disney ones I love how they keep adding new powers because I feel like they kind of make sense. But we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to it. All right. So, um, something else that was cool with the Wampa. Um, if you go into the deleted scenes, like I know on Disney Plus, I believe they have them on there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a deleted scene where C3PO and R2D2 are basically tricking the snowtroopers into getting attacked by Wampas that were sort of like being held off inside the rebel base. Um, they they were sort of like locked into the walls and there's like a few scenes with them where like you see like the yeah. wampas just like reaching through was, the wall trying to like get to them it was like a whole subplot for the first act yeah where like they were, the, they the were trying to make an actual in. like a big wampa attack on the base yeah. and makes total sense why they cut it 
Yeah, it because, just didn't fit. <laughs> it, it didn't fit at all. You kind of trying to make that like that horror aspect, you know, of of like giving pressure to the like, oh my god, are they gonna are they gonna get attacked by monsters? But the empire is coming, so you can't get they, any bigger monsters need, than them. Yeah, they didn't need any more pressure for the characters mm -hmm. or like where they were at the story or whatever. You know, it propelled right into it. Yeah. Immediately, it is very fast paced, but like in the the most perfect way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel rushed. It's just perfectly moving along very quickly. Yeah. And we get also Han uh, going to rescue Luke. You know, it really goes to show this is like the, the, the second time now that Han is clearly more selfless than he puts mm -hmm. on. Yeah, exactly. He He's the good decides guy. to put his friends above himself. He <laughs> the, the lines he has are so good when um, he asks if any. he's like, uh, you know, where's Commander Skywalker? It's like, nobody's seen him. He's like, what do you mean no one? Yeah. We'll go it's and find out. It's getting dark out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the and best he's one just, is, I'll see you in hell. Huh. Yeah, he he literally gets on a tauntaun, and they're like, your tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Yeah. Exactly. Also, and he's what just, is He just hell? becomes Indiana Jones. Yeah, is there, a, there is, is there a hell in Star Wars? <laughs> Apparently so. Mustafar. I guess Mustafar is the closest <laughs> we've gotten to Hell and Star Wars. I mean, and that's the metaphorical exactly, Hell. Exactly, for sure. But, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. at least for this, hell. maybe Hell is just a phrase. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Who, who it's, just, it's just a goofy space adventure. <laughs> it's just hilarious how they wrote I'll See You in Hell in Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, but also they bring it back uh, in other... I've, yeah, th I've heard yeah. it a few times. In The Force Awakens, it was yeah, there. Yeah. Well, anyway. But yeah, so so he goes to save um, Luke. Luke has a, a a vision of of Ben Kenobi, telling him that he must uh, that Luke must go to Dagobah. Why does he still call him Ben? Wait, why why would, wouldn't he? He knows he's Obi Wan. Why would he still call him Ben? Yeah, but even even Ben, like when he found out that that like when he told him like, do you know Obi Wan in the first one? Yeah. And he's like, he has that weird look in his face, which doesn't really make sense Kenobi. with the prequels, but fine. Obi Wan. Yeah, he was just full of shit. But uh, he was like, <laughs> like he, or, or, or he went R2. extremely senile. We don't know which one. But he was like, I, I haven't heard that name. You know, like it might be that he's senile now that I think about it. <laughs> I don't think he's not fucking senile. <laughs> he's just like he's an just old an old dude in his pajamas going he's around like, let's go, kid. You know the force. <laughs> let's defeat evil. <laughs> but yeah, so he he appears to him in the snow. Which is an amazing scene because you get the 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 force theme, and, and it's the first also, visible force ghost. Yeah, exactly. It's the first time you see Alec Guinness as a force ghost. In the first one, you only heard you his heard voice. Him. Yeah. yeah, but it, it's also kind of cool because the more powerful Luke, Luke becomes with the force, the more clearer he can see the Obi Wan as a force ghost. Like if you think about it, you can only hear his voice in A New Hope. After he like pulls the lightsaber, you he can see the shape of his of his ghost, and later in Dagobah he can see him a little bit clearer because he has gone through training. And in I Return would, of the Jedi, he's like sitting on a log. <laughs> I I would all right, hold on. I would challenge that statement just because yeah. I think he was he wasn't that clear in Hoth just because of the blizzard. Like I think they wanted it to, you know, he they wanted to blend him in with the blizzard to make it like more mysterious and creepy and you know like i mean i yeah dramatic I it doesn't but for dagobah it wouldn't really make sense 
And by that point, they're like, fuck it. Like, let's just have Ghost's bed sit on a log. I think it works both ways. I think it might have worked as, like, a, a production, like, a cinematic uh, um, production thing. Like, the, the yellow eyes, yeah. the Sith yellow eyes. Are, yeah. What are they about? Like, it's really just a cinematic uh, yeah. uh, representation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think it works as a storytelling, like, if, if you see it that way, or that's it, just, yeah. like, we have to make it transparent yeah. because that's the tech we had available. Yeah. But either way, like, it, it works. Mm-hmm. towards the story's benefit because it, okay. it lets people interpret it differently and it's the first time we hear the name yoda the jedi master who instructed me which is a little problematic because yeah well, i mean yoda technically did train obi-wan all the all the per se. Yeah. he trained the younglings but he also trained obi-wan to let uh let, communicate let. with qui-gon in the netherworld of the force <laughs> So we get to, uh, Luke's get gets healed in a uh, a back back to tank, tank with a uh, doll diaper, and uh, <laughs> so he has the, <laughs> he has this scene when uh, Luke and Leia kiss after. So Han is oh. so, okay. Yeah, we're getting to that. I mean, we have to. It's part of the fairy tale, dude. Can I at least just say that the dialogue in that scene was perfect? Just everything masterful. Just perfect. fucking masterful. <laughs> It's so witty and funny and just, oh, like. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. I, I, don't, I don't dislike the kiss, honestly, because um, they didn't know. But it I mean, also makes sense. Like, she's trying to make Han jealous. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, it's all, it's all in character. Like, there's no, it, it, it isn't like a, a cringe moment because it's out of character. It's a cringe moment because what do you know afterwards? Because well, what you know afterwards. So I, I don't like, I don't blame it on the movie because the, the and, movie executed it to perfection. And not just that, but Luke is also very uh, um, coy about it. Like he no, he's puts into his it. hands behind yeah, his no, head. He's and like, it. he's like, oh yes. By the way, <laughs> we're talking about this because they're a brother and sister. <laughs> Just wanted to make that clear. Alabama. <laughs> yeah, they went all Alabama on it. And <laughs> you could tell also, like the great thing that I think people talk about enough in that scene, because everyone talks about the kids, is that you could tell Han was actually bothered by it. He yeah. he wasn't like he wasn't like just a, like whatever to him. He was like, take it easy, you know. He was like, I, I don't love that. Even though he tries to pretend that he doesn't care about anything or anyone. Right. But so we get that. Then we slowly start pulling into the Empire side of the story. Uh, we have the subplot with the probe droid. Uh, they get to hear the probe droid being around. Han and Chewie go investigate. Han and Chewie go investigate. And they are like, oh my god, the Empire is coming. Like, they could tell the Empire was coming. And we get... Dun, 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 dun. Yes. By <laughs> humming it or whatever. Uh, but we get the... This is the first time we hear the Imperial March. Imperial March. Oh, it is so glorious. Some of the most iconic uh, music ever. Thank of, fucking of God. Of any movie and for John of Star Williams. Wars. And it's not Thank even the first movie. God for John Williams. Dude, John Williams is the man. He's, oh, he's a fucking legend, man. I'm I going this to podcast weep is gonna turn when he into, dies. Yeah, this podcast is going to be oh, that's morbid as fuck. The podcast, <laughs> I mean, he's up there. So I he's get it. pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast is just going to be us blowing John Williams. He really. <laughs> it, it basically has been for the past carries. two or three fucking yeah. episodes. <laughs> so we get the, the, the great the soundtrack. 
and we see one of the greatest intros to a villain. And it's not like, a, oh my God, I'm going to kill a whole hallway of people <laughs> type, type intro for a villain. It's just so subdued and it's so cool because you see him looking into the stars, then he walks back to his communications officers yeah. and you, you don't see him, his face. You just see people looking at him with fear. Mm-hmm. Like people under him, so you can tell like the storytelling, visual storytelling. That, that first good. shot where it's just like the stars, and he's looking out the window, and it's mm. just the, the back of his helmet is just, oh, it's yeah. just so perfectly framed. Yeah, and the you know the shine they they really mm-hmm. outdid themselves with like the the Vader costume compared yeah, to New had Hope. More money. Yeah. yeah, because the the old costume didn't have that shine that it does in empire and return of the jedi yeah and it really makes a difference for the character and for the 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 villainous um mystique about him and as it was stated in the in the crawl he's obsessed as the crawl finding obsessed with defending young skywalker yeah and it's the first thing he was like oh my god that's the The rebels are there the rebels are there and it's like, it could be anything, Lord Vader. He's like, no, fuck you. We're going. Let's <laughs> yeah. Go. And he just goes with his business. And it's no, there's no debate. He just knows it. Right. So uh, the Empire goes to Hoth. Everything goes to shit. The Battle of Hoth is in swing. Also, how ballsy is it to have like the big climax? In the first one, the big climax, the big space battle is in the front end of the movie this time. Like the, yeah. the big climactic uh, uh, space battle, space, quote unquote. Between the good guys and bad guys is at the beginning of the movie. It's a planet battle, but yeah, I but you know what I mean. Everything like big, is in space. The big uh, set spectacle, uh, yeah, uh, ship on ship dogfight, right? Stuff. Yeah, that's in the at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and it's great, and you could tell also like the production was way better in the, in, in this side of the, because you get the Imperial walkers and they're just glorious. Eight, I even as it like growing up as a kid, I will tell you, every winter. When it would snow, I would mm-hmm. go out in my yard in the snow and pretend to be fighting on Hoth. Like it was that iconic and special to me. Yeah. And just, I, I loved every second of the ATATs and just, you know, the, the idea of a of giant snow battle. It was just the coolest image. And I had the Lego sets and everything. Just, that is easily my most iconic and mm. favorite battle in all of Star Wars, hands down. There's no question. And even to this day, the AT-ATs, that, that one profile shot, like the side shot of them mm-hmm. walking and shooting and the snow speeders going by, it, it looks so fucking good. No, it holds up. It holds up, but it's stop motion. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's just incredible how good it looks. Uh, you know, one shot that freaked me out as a kid is that what? shot when, when so he gets shot down, Luke gets shot down, Dak dies, yeah. and um, he's trying to get out of the ship, and the, the leg of the Adad is coming up into the ship. You know, right. it's going to crush yeah. the ship. It's going to step on it. Mm-hmm. And he goes back to get the grappling gun. But right, as a yeah. kid, I always thought he went back to get the Dak's corpse, or Dak. hoping he was still alive. <laughs> And I was like, there's no time, dude. Leave him. <laughs> and he just gets the grappling gun. We'll never make it. <laughs> Leave him. We'll never make it. And then he jumps out of the ship just as the leg is crushed. Like that idea of the, the leg of this yeah. giant elef- mechanical elephant crushing uh, Luke 
Terry and the no, the sound effects were great. That oh yeah, yeah. Also, my first exposure because I told you I saw the prequels first. My first exposure to the Battle of Hoth, and actually to most of the original trilogy's uh, space fights, was through the game Rogue Squadron Two. So I remember in the game you had to do the tow cables around yep. the legs. Yep. And when I was watching the movie, I was like, just use the tow cables because I already know, knew it from the game. <laughs> and I remember it took me a long you while cheated. in the game to figure it out. You cheated. I didn't cheat. I, <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> you cheat. You cheat, Dr. Jones. <laughs> I don't think I don't do that. Now this is an Indiana Jones podcast, by the way. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> okay, so so iconic moments of the Battle of Hoth. Um, Vader coming into the, the base. That's oh yeah. Shit. I love how he's just like so adamant about like he, he's he's so fearless and just so willing to just like walk into the fucking base and just go after whatever he wants, you know. And he's just striding, you know. Yeah, there's no. He doesn't run. run. He doesn't no. even walk. He's just walking. He's just walking with a great entourage and soundtrack. He doesn't need. It's, yeah. Yeah. Da, da, da. Yeah. and you see him like go through like the security checkpoint when he goes through like a like a little thing and it looks like a security checkpoint at the airport you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 i remember as a kid i, was, I thought i was thought that was that was kind of cool where yep. he's like he doesn't even need to go through the security <laughs> checkpoint he's so fucking cool <laughs> i don't even know if that's a security checkpoint i just I, to me as a kid it looked like it but so he arrives and I that like little cat and mouse thing where you cut Vader going to look for them and then we got to the heroes running and C-3PO is being super And C-3PO slow. is always like behind and, and I remember, Han is like, you're going to yeah. be a permanent resident. Yeah, and as a kid, I was like, C-3PO moved the fuck along because he was always so slow in that movie. <laughs> uh, I love 3PO, by the way. I'm not he's, cheering on 3PO. He's, no, he's great. He's a necessary, great uh, uh, relief, comic relief. Yes. Um, and also love that little moment when Han turns on the Falcon and it's not coming out, and so he has to hit the. Well, that's what ninety percent of this movie is: is the Falcon not working, yeah, the, the car way it's not supposed working. to, and it's just so brilliant how <laughs> much drama and like chaos can happen just from that aspect of it, like them trying to fix the Millennium Falcon while they're getting chased. Yeah, imagine it as like a straight movie; it would be like. Some dude going to the desert with, with some like new age guru, and some other dudes like going like running away from the cops in the car not working. That's kind of <laughs> like how it'd be if it was like not Star Wars. <laughs> and it's, basically, it's, it's great because a lot of comedy comes from from the car not working. Yeah. Uh, so we get there and they escape at last, even though it was like a very tense moment. And Luke goes to Dagobah. Hold on. Before we get into Dagobah, mm-hmm. we missed a few things beforehand, okay. which I love the aspect that we, we start to see into the perspectives of the Imperial officers. And we see this sort of like internal struggle of failure and trying to like, I, I want to know who on earth, not literally earth but who in the the star wars universe would actually want to be an imperial officer because the higher rank you get the more chance vader or the emperor is just going to kill you for failing yeah that's true but also they all just look at it like this impending doom like a lot of the guy a lot of those guys look like they're in like their 40s or 50s like they were really like if you look at it 
They were probably a republic. They're probably in the republic, yeah. Before the they, republic became yeah, a, most of the them empire. were. So I think it was just like a thing of you know there were career. Of officers. course, yeah, of course they continued it, but at the same time, it's like, holy shit! Now it's like I do my job, and yeah. whether it's my fault or not, if the failure is on me, I'm going to die. One of the worst jobs that uh, where you could get a promotion. <laughs> this just gets you closer to Vader's grip. Vader, Vader <laughs> it literally his grip. Um, uh, which also, Vader has some great comedic moments where, where he chokes people and he's like, apology accepted. That's just gold. Every time I watch it, I'm like, that's he's funny. He just, he's full of the dad jokes before yeah. we even knew he's the father. Before we knew he was the father. But yeah, so um, Dagobah, we get to Dagobah. We ready for Dagobah? Yes. Okay, we get to Dagobah, and uh, you know it's just a swamp, and it doesn't make sense for Ben to send him there because Luke is super frustrated uh, about how there's nothing there. It's just a a bog, and you know he starts setting up camp, and a little creature shows up. Now, hold on, yeah. time out. Okay. One thing that, you know, it's it's always this moment, like when Luke is getting to, you know, when he's landing on Dagobah, that mm. always reminds me of this one issue that I've always had with Star Wars that is like something you don't think about often until you start like really nitpicking shit. Like obviously mm. for like movie sake, things make sense. But when you when you really think about it, the biggest problem for me with Star Wars is like how all right, you they get told information like, okay, for instance, Luke is told to go to Dagobah to find Yoda. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan is told to go to Kamino to find the cloners, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 and so on and so on. How do they know exactly where on the planet to go? They always show up right exactly where they need to be. It's the force. It's no, <laughs> that's a cop out. It's the will of the force, dude. Everything that's unexplainable uh, in Star Wars or is convenient, and the, the that's such the a force. convenient answer. I'm just look. Well, I know it's it's, it's just Wars. the movies, and it, <laughs> look, I'm I'm just being a fucking nitpicking bastard. Yeah, I'm just saying, like in the back of my mind, that that thought is there. It's like I would get that. I want yeah, an I explanation. I, you know? I would get that if it was like a hard drama. You know, like where, where it's like a super dark drama about like real people in a real in the yeah. real world. I know mm-hmm. it. The answer but isn't the tone, necessarily important. It's yeah. just like one of those things. If if you've enjoyed Star Wars as much as us, and you watch these movies over and over, eventually you're gonna come to this kind of thinking. You know. Yeah. Also, like if you want to get deep into it, why did the if they if the rebels escape? Uh, Hoth and Luke escaped Hoth unscathed. Yeah. Why? Where? Where, where was the Imperial the, fleet? Why was the Millennium Falcon only? Why was the Imperials only chasing the Millennium Falcon? Like they didn't get scot free. But where was the Imperial when Luke, fleet? When, when Luke you was, see Luke's yeah. X-wing fly off that planet, there is no one else around. Where did all the Imperial? There was the entire Imperial fleet just went after the Millennium Falcon. There's no way. Yeah, and so where were they? I don't know. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, I guess. Cool. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, it's cool. <laughs> uh, because movies. Because movies. I mean, yeah, I mean, the tone and theme and story of Star Wars, I think, lends itself to those type of conveniences. We're just got to go with it. It's, it's like very, very minor plot holes. Yeah. But plot holes are in every movie. Yes. So, yeah. Almost. But every. I get it. I get it. 
Yeah. Uh, what do you mean almost any 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 movie really? That's like, not true. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yoda shows up. Well, at, the, at first we don't know it's Yoda. At first we just think it's a little green creature. But if you know Looking anything about pop culture, someone you have, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. I love it. And it's, it's goofy Yoda because he's trying Luke's pa- patience to see if he yep. holds, and he doesn't, of course. He will learn patience. <laughs> but uh, we get Yoda being goofy and doing his crazy ketamine Yoda. Ketamine. Ketamine. Yeah. Frog on ketamine. Ketamine. Frog on ketamine. He 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 starts fighting with R2 with his cane. Mine! 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 Yeah, for the light. Also, they know each other. If we want to get technical. Yeah. Another pothole if you want to wanna... <laughs> <laughs> indulge. And uh, he tries to get his, his food, uh, which I always love that little thing when he's trying to eat his food and he doesn't really take a bite because it's the puppet. And Speaking the... of the puppet. Yeah, it's it's such a relief it, it, for all of the things that Empire gave us for the puppet to have worked so well, and I don't think it could have worked in a single other way, especially for the time the movie was made. Just the way they film Yoda was so innocent and genuine, and like the puppet looked great it could have been a massive failure with the because it was basically an experimental puppet you know they were barely ready to get this thing going with frank oz yeah um but also but it's it just works so well the puppet uh makes like it makes sense when you watch the goofy shit like oh it's a goofy puppet okay yeah. cool and then he starts talking seriously when, when you realize that it's actually Yoda and he started yeah. like laying down the truth and he, he's mm-hmm. like, you will be, you know, when he says, I'm not afraid, you will be. And you mm-hmm. start seeing him like serious, like serious acting from Yoda. Yeah. And the puppet holds, like the puppet sells that shit so hard. Yep. Yeah. And the thing I feel that sells Yoda's puppet, is not so much the, I mean, the puppet is great, but it's, it's the fact that the Mark voice. Hamill. No, I was going to say the fact that Mark Hamill reacted to the puppet as it was as if he was talking to a real actor like the the interaction between actor and actor felt very natural felt very natural yeah. and yeah. if mark hamill had acted as like with a uh, winking at the camera a little bit of, uh, uh, over the fact that he was uh, acting against the puppet right like, i feel like a lot of the performance from the puppet a lot of the heavy lifting is done by mark hamill being natural towards it and like yeah. interacting with it and uh, mark hamill actually had a tough time with this because I can't remember how many weeks it was, but it was just him working with a puppet for a long time. I think it was like three or four weeks at least. And, you know, you had the Yoda performers. I think there was three of them underneath like the floorboards and stuff doing all of this little, you know, the little motions. And he's just solely going off of this puppet. And it's just crazy how well it turned out. Yeah. And, you know, Yoda is there laying down through some of the greatest lines ever written, I think, for, for like a guru uh, mentor type character in movies. Of, uh, of all the things of Star Wars, not even just Empire, but of all the, the great things about Star Wars, I would say how the things it teaches us mm-hmm. and the things that stick with us. And Yoda's... Yoda's lessons and his quotes from this movie are just 
what makes Star Wars Star Wars and what what gives us that wonder and you know the 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 many life lessons that it 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 brings it has inspired so many people in so many different ways and you know I was watching um snippets from um the last priest uh sorry yeah, po- postseason nfl no. games no 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 uh-huh. the the pl- the the most recent playoff games for the nfl they did okay. you know they they mic the players up mm-hmm. and you know i was literally watching this today and one of the players um can't remember which team because they were showing all different teams one of the players says like a wise man once said do or do not there is no try it's like yeah. this stuff sticks with people he might have not even known that that quote came from Yoda or not, but it still sticks with people. The the, the lessons that we learn from this. Yeah, one of my my favorite lines in all of Star Wars and of this movie certainly, and of Yoda's, is when he Yoda lifts up the X wing, which is just a great cinematic moment. Yeah, and then Luke goes up to him and he says, "I don't believe it." And Yoda I can't answers, believe it. That is why you. Fail. That is why you fail. <laughs> I, that's yep. the thing that I saw as a kid, and I didn't really understand. Like, why did mm-hmm. he respond that? And I want to yep. watch it now. He's like that. It, like, the reason why you fail is because you don't believe. You don't believe in yourself. You don't believe in general. You're just not a believer. And if you're not yep. a believer, you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea because it goes like you could talk about like oh he's talking about like a imaginary force religion thing, but he's just yeah. talking about life. Yep. And it's so powerful. For me, I would say Yoda's quotes about like life and death mm-hmm. are the hardest hitting important lessons for me just in dealing with loss. Um, feel it like it makes me feel better about my life and you know, the people I lose and stuff like that by you know, Yoda saying like luminous beings are we not this crude matter and mm-hmm. and all all the different things that he says about like um death is a natural part of life and all this kind of stuff i know that wasn't an empire but mm-hmm. you know these kind of lessons that he he brings up in the multiple star wars movies just makes me feel like it's okay to not be in control of your own fate or your loved one's fates yeah to know that there is there's something there like they're they'll always be there you know yeah to surrender to to the current yes there are things you can't control yeah you can't be that person who's like trying to control every aspect because that leads to the dark side Mm -hmm. um so meanwhile while they're having that like great (laughs) ayahuasca spirit trip uh (laughs) the the other heroes are on the other side of space having Having a a bad time time. (laughs) (laughs) great bad time for them great time for the audience yeah. Where the car is breaking down and uh, they have to go through a, a, a asteroid, an asteroid field. And it's one of the great iconic uh, sequences when the Falcon is uh, going all the way through it. Also, that little moment when Han's trying to fix shit, uh, bring me the hydro spanner. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the Falcon bumps and something hits him in the, in the head. Yeah. Like, Ow, Chewie. The, yeah, the, the toolbox comes yeah. down and hits him in the head. So that's right before they reveal the asteroids. And when he sees the asteroid, he's like, oh, great. Hey, Carlos. Yes. What are the odds of successfully navigating an asteroid field? Oh, fuck. 
seven. No. Nope. Five. No. Nope. Three thousand seven hundred and twenty to one. There you go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it, of course. I was just kidding. You know. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of um, 3PO, mm -hmm. and it, it's hilarious. One of the, the great things about this movie is how much of an asshole Han is to 3PO. Yeah. 3PO is just trying to help. He's trying to, like, you know, do the right thing. And Han is just constantly, like, threatening to turn him off. And yeah. he's like... <laughs> Put the professor into the fucking. Um, yeah. But also, also, I love the fact there's this little moment when, when you know, when Tribute tells uh, Han when they're like inside the the asteroid, he tells Han like, it, like it seems your ship speaks the most peculiar dialect. Like yes. I'm not sure what he's saying, but I think you should change this and this and that. And he's like, well, of course I have to replace it. Yeah. But he's just being shitty to him. And then when he looks at Chewie, he's like, I think you should replace so and so. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he like whispers. He, he, he doesn't want to give him credit. <laughs> and then you see 3PO turn around and look at him. Yeah, yeah. because he kind of knew. But also, <laughs> C3PO is annoying as fuck, to, to, to be fair. Like, he, they are kissing the great kiss where the, the music, John Williams' music swells up, you know, great build up to it when they're like whispering to each other, You like me because I'm a scoundrel. And then 3PO shows up and he's like, Sir, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um if you go back and watch that scene like i watched it a few days ago and the kissing scene yeah mm -hmm. it you know it might seem romantic maybe it seemed romantic at the time if you go back and watch that scene now yeah the me too movement might want to have a word <laughs> <laughs> han is a little pushy and yeah. you know yeah it, um, sure. I'm not. I'm not saying one way or another. Whether yeah, I right. still think it's like romantic and like obviously they had that connection. So, but like, well, they do. Yeah, the I way mean, the way it would come across in a modern day movie would be very different. It wouldn't be portrayed like that today for sure. Yeah, like in in that movie, I think the the idea was she clearly likes him, as you can tell from like everything they built up in the movie. Yeah, and um, also there was a deleted portion that wasn't in the movie when. Which one? Uh, uh, she's about like he he's coming in onto her and he's like you like me because I'm a scoundrel and she's like I happen to like nice men and um, there's a moment when she tells him like all right hot shot and she and she grabs his face and kisses him in that but, scene in that scene there's there's uh, like an uncut version of that scene that that is in the movie I like she, the way I like the way it was yeah where she actually takes some agency which we kind of see like the layout from the first movie be a little bit more. But I also like the fact, yeah, I like the way it is. And because she's that's clearly just... vulnerable in a way that she hasn't been earlier. Exactly. Like she's always bossy. She's always trying to like uh, tell people what to do mm -hmm. because she knows she has a big uh, mission and she's uh, like, you know, she's trying to wrangle all these idiots. <laughs> so it makes sense for her to have that attitude. But this is the moment when he kind of tells her or telegra telegraphs to her. That you could be vulnerable with me. You don't need to be like that. I and just love when she says, I happen to like nice men. And he goes, I'm nice men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the nice guy. Yeah. Uh, and we cut back to the Empire at some point, And one of the Imperial officers tells Vader uh, that the Emperor wants to contact him. Yep. And we get 
that scene, the first time we've seen the Emperor ever, we've heard of him in A New Hope very, very briefly, a couple times. I think I remember one, I don't remember a second time he's mentioned. And um, so we see Vader kneel, and we're like, what? Vader kneels to somebody? You know, it's one of those moments where you're like, fuck. And then the, the hologram pops up and it's the Emperor. Now, the version of the movie you've seen nowadays clearly uh, uh, is a revised version because it has the actor from the rest of the movies that plays the Emperor. Ian McDermott. Ian McDermott, yes. Yeah. And he looks the way he looked in Revenge of the Sith because they shot it. They shot yep. that portion at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the dialogue is a little bit different than the new version. Whereas- very, very similar. Very similar, but a little bit different because he mentions Anakin by name, and there's a the Vader clearly lies in the new version, whereas he kind of pretends that he didn't know Luke was Vader's son or Anakin Anakin's son rather. Uh, he's he like, how is that possible? Anakin by name. He did. I have the no old, doubt. The old one? No, no, no. The new one. No, he says the son of Skywalker was must not become a Jedi. In the old, he doesn't one. say. No, in the new one. In the new one as well. But before that, he says, uh, I have he, no doubt that this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And Vader right. says, how is that possible? Yeah, right. And so he, he's like, how is that possible? Even though he already right. knew. And yep. we know from canon, Vader already knew. Right. Uh, but in the old one, he never mentions Anakin. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't have that little exchange where Vader has to pretend to lie. Um. In the old one, also, it wasn't Ian McDermott because Ian McDermott hadn't been cast until Return of the Jedi. It was actually a woman called Marjorie Eden. Eden. I suggest if you haven't seen the original, go on YouTube and look it up because it's very strange. Yeah. Because it's and a I actually had no idea that it was a woman playing the Emperor, like yeah. the physical form of the Emperor. It's a woman uh, playing the physical form of the emperor, but she has like a chimpanzee a weird... eyeballs. Yeah, she has like chimpanzee eyeball, like a a, a a vice or something in her head to like make it, make her up. And it's the voice of Clive Re- Revel, who's like a well known voice actor. Right. So he kind of sounds like a like a guy who would like in in the original version of Empire, the emperor sounds like he's reading an audiobook. Yeah. Uh, and in the new version, it's it's good old Sheev. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. So that that's a little bit of trivia. If you want to see the previous version, I suggest you do. Definitely, definitely go check it out. It's it's pretty trippy. Yeah. So among the things, we get back to Dagobah to see Luke training. And one of the great moments also is when he senses the darkness in this little patch of of the swamp. Mm-hmm. It's like what's in there. It's like only that place. Only what is, you take with you. Yeah. Only what you take with you. That place is great line by the dark side. Yeah. And also great moment when he's like, what's in there? Only what you take with you. And then he puts on his, his belt that Better has weapons. his, his weapons. Not need them. And he puts them on. He doesn't care. He goes with his weapons, mm-hmm. which shows you that he's not a Jedi yet because a Jedi, a Jedi is not an aggressive uh, person. He doesn't come with the weapons. He is coming with a pre uh, um, disposition. Whereas he, he knows he's going to get conflict. He said and he's not afraid, but he's clearly afraid. He's clearly afraid. So he gets into the cave, and this cave is trippy because if you look at it from a, like a Campbellian or, or Carl Jung type of way, there's a moment in the hero's journey when the hero's faces 
goes to the depth of their the well of their their soul their their mm -hmm. whatever you want to say of their journey their darkest spot in their in their in their themselves. internal conflict basically exactly and uh they have to face it and often what they face is themselves because they see their themselves they see a reflection of themselves mm -hmm. so when luke goes uh, down there to the cave the thing he sees is vader he has this little exchange with vader where he cuts off his head and when vader's face is uh, uh, mask, mask is blown, blown away yep. uh you can see the face of luke and you can tell the greatest um fear that luke has is to become vader is to it's not even just his fear it is just straight up the the foreshadowing of what could become mm -hmm. and he's confused he doesn't even know why yeah and it's all obviously because it's his father you know the it's fate him. of his father could very well become the fate of him yeah if he, he goes down a certain path if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do yeah but it's it's great because you don't know that when you see the movie necessarily that he's mm -hmm. it's his father i mean most people will probably know but if you take it as 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 it is the movie like telegraphs the twist before it happens exactly but even then you're not it's not like telegraphed enough that you can easily guess it mm -hmm. you know uh so we get that moment in the cave which is a great like uh hero's journey moment which happens in a lot of movies of uh, a uh, hero's journey you gotta sh look out for the cave moment where the heroes see themselves in their worst yeah. and then we go back to the the other heroes and we get you know uh, dart vader trying to hire bounty hunters we don't need their scum to <laughs> get the falcon and we see what do we see tyler well carlos what we see is the greatest bounty hunter of all time Mm -hmm. Boba Fett, my favorite character in all of Star Wars. Right. And the the best thing about Boba Fett, at least in Empire, that we get this sense of him right away, not just from the cool looking armor or the mystique, but the respect that Vader has for him, which <laughs> is rare. And he literally has to warn him, no disintegrations. I mean, do you think it's respect, though? Is respect the right word? I think he does have a respect because, for him. Because uh, I, I always thought it was a funny line. No disintegrations just implies that there's a history there where this guy just likes to disintegrate <laughs> so, people. So, so listen, here's, here's my theory with that. Uh -huh. I think that Boba Fett was the one who melted Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen. Oh, God. Because stormtroopers don't just go fucking melting people into skeletons boba fett has a flamethrower and was actively helping the empire so did, is it not possible that while he was on Tatooine, i mean i guess he was helping them try out. to track down the droids right well he was with jabba in tatooine in that in that period of time so i don't think he was working for the empire i think he was just chilling in jabba's palace but he could have still been helping the empire <laughs> I think it's a great theory just based okay. on the foreknowledge of, you know, the rest of Star Wars, but it's semantics. I think it's just yeah. cool. That well, he it was history, clearly told clearly. In, the, in the movie that the stormtroopers were the ones who were tracking down the droids. 
Yeah. So the implication is definitely that it's a droid. I mean, maybe they could retcon it into being Boba, but I don't see the mm -hmm. utility, to be honest. <laughs> I don't, so here's the thing about Boba Fett. You love Boba Fett. Boba Fett looks cool. I don't get the Boba Fett hype. I mean, I, I like him a little bit more now that Mandalorian is out and he's in it. But as it stands, I think Boba Fett is extremely overrated because he, he does a cool thing in this one where he kidnaps the heroes and he's badass and it's everything. But he barely does anything. Even in the next one, he also barely does anything. Like, he, he's even worse. I'm more, I'm more upset with what happened to him in Return of the Jedi than I, I think he did enough in this movie to where, like, he was still mysterious. And, you know, he, he was always, like, one leg up from the heroes to me it's like the, one of those characters where he wanted them yeah but it's one of those characters where it's like i, I still wanted more from him but yeah. at the same time i thought he was so cool the popularity around him i think it's more to do with the fact that he looks cool and he he's badass and you know he's mis he's mysterious he's but based i love on yeah i i think uh, to no me name. that character uh, like the cool character that looks cool, but it's not really a character. It's Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. Oh my god! I think that one is way more like effective as a as a non character making an impression. Because I mean, uh, he does like Darth Maul does more, but Boba yeah. to me is still something about the original trilogy. They're both hunters. The, the way yeah, but the way characters are displayed, I guess, is the sense in the original trilogy has just so much more of a profound impact on me and maybe it's because i've i've seen those first and i grew up with them more like than the prequels mm -hmm. but i mean i just remember even as a kid i loved having the boba fett toy like i was like this is my favorite fucking action figure <laughs> you know also it's, fun it's just, yeah. it's just cool you know fun fact about boba fett's appearance in this movie as well is it was also changed in the special edition whereas in the original it was a different voice actor and then the special edition due to the prequels and the fact that we learned that boba fett is a clone they changed his voice to tamira morrison to tamira morrison who plays boba fett's father aka or donor as you might say uh, uh jango fett so it would be the same voice as jango and it makes sense i like that change because i think it, it adds continuity to I'm, it that's one of the changes i'm very glad that they did Although I, I must say I do I do really love the the voice. The original, the original. was sick. He was like, he's not it, good to me dead. He, he he was he was you know he he was a little bit more he sounded more aggressive. Put like, Captain Solo in the cargo. Yeah, exactly. He had that uh, like a growl, a little bit more. Mary Morrison's just more like as you wish. Yeah, he was more you know I it, I felt like he was just playing another clone, to be to be honest. I mean, it's fine. It's not horror. It's not a bad performance, but it's you know, whatever. Anyways, so uh, Boba Fett is sent to track them down. He tracks them down. So, so okay. So the heroes go to. Uh, they need to escape. Where did they escape? Uh, Han is looking for planets, and he finds uh, Lando. He's like, I don't know. Lando that system. system? <laughs> Lando's not a system. He's a He's man. A man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lando Calrissian. Yeah, if you see in Solo, all these pieces start coming together. Um, Fuck Solo. Well, there we go. <laughs> and uh, um, so we get him start going to the to the Cloud City, which is where Lando is. And we get this great moment. I love this moment when uh, 
he's trying to like land in Cloud City and the, the cops aren't letting him. He's like, do not stray from your current course. And he's like, I thought you were friends with this person, with Lando. <laughs> they, why won't they let us land? And the Chewie says like, rrr, rrr. and then Han looks at him. He's like, well, I'm sure he's forgotten about that. <laughs> it's been a long time. I love that little moment where they imply that there is a moment when Han was shitty to Lando. And, and we don't hear what it is because Chewie said it. Um, so uh, he lands and we find Lando, he's like a double crosser because he was acting pissed and he wasn't even though I guess he was just scared and well, how you doing you old pirate, so good to see you <laughs> we find out that uh, that Lando owned the Falcon beforehand yeah, it rounds out a little bit of Han's backstory and what is it what is it, you know what is it? what happened between them Remember, you lost her to be fair and square. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lando's a great character. Lando was introduced, I think, mainly because they didn't know if they were going to get Harrison Ford in the in the next one. And I think Lando was sort of kind of a, a replacement for Han in case Harrison wasn't around. That which is another, another of the reasons why he got frozen in Carbonite is because they were like, worst case scenario, we'll just write him out of the movie. Yeah. So they, they froze him on Carbonite for, for that reason. Well, we're, we're jumping a little bit, but we find out Lando's a traitor. Oh, no. Uh, he's He had uh, his reasons. Yeah. He wasn't I, a bad guy. He's yeah. Just... Sometimes people talk about how Lando is, was... Uh, I think Billy D talks about this. I think it's funny. The actor who plays Lando, Billy D. Williams, yeah. talks about how kids come up to him. He's like, why did you be- betray Han Solo? Yeah. And he's like, it's, it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> he, he finds himself explaining uh, fictional behavior to like people. He's like, no, because Darth Vader was, you know, had him under his grip and whatever. But yeah, we get Vader. Uh, and there's must be a really awkward uh, dinner when Vader is <laughs> like. I wish we got to see more of that scene. I really wish. Have you seen the robot, like, the robot chicken like, sketch about, of that scene? Yeah. When they're having dinner. So funny. I love the meme though. It's like, man, Darth Vader just wanted to have a nice dinner with them, and he mm. Hans just comes in and blasts him like an asshole, just starts shooting yeah. up the place. Yeah. So um Han gets we haven't talked about this, but Han is like running away from a, a price on his, on his head. For even from like after the first one. Like Han. Yeah, Han is I mean, away since the very beginning, he's been owing Java this debt. So when he when Darth Vader is torturing Han in order to lure Luke in, he tells Boba Fett like you can take Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt after I've had Skywalker. So they're already setting up the sequel, and it's a great uh, little like world building moment because you don't know. Well, if you've seen the special editions, you do know what Jabba looks like. But anyways, so Luke gets lured in. Luke comes comes to Cloud City. Um, they have this great fight. Well, let me, let me not jump. Before that, Han gets frozen in carbonite. We have that great scene. I love you. I know. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, this moment, this I love you, I know, uh, wasn't in the script. Improved by Harrison Ford. Yeah. Wasn't in the script because it said I love wrote, you too in the script. Yeah, I and love they, you. they shot love the you scene too. over and over and it just wasn't working. And Irvin Kirshner was just like, 
Harrison, just say something, go with your gut, just, just do it. We'll roll it and we'll see how it goes. And he said, I know. And it just worked perfectly to the character to like who Han is. Yeah. It fits so well and is now probably one of the top, like maybe five most iconic lines in all of star wars also as far as we're concerned if you're following the story this might as well be han's exit line you know this could be the last we see of him at least the the story is making it seem that way so it's Mm -hmm. such a great line because it encapsulates his whole character han wanted them i mean harrison wanted them to kill han off that he Mm -hmm. felt like he was he achieved all he could at this point and he wanted to go out with a heroic sacrifice yeah also, uh, another fun fact about that is George Lucas wasn't keen on that uh, Han Solo line. He didn't love it. Yeah. And it was one of those things when uh, they screened the movie for like test audiences, I think. Yeah. Where uh, Harrison Ford tells this story uh, where Harrison and George are sitting together and the I love you, I know line comes on and the, <laughs> the crowd starts laughing. And, and George looks at Harrison like, see, they're laughing. <laughs> and Harrison is like, yeah, but there are laughs and there are laughs, you know? There are laughs yeah. of, of, like, comedic laughs and there are laughs of recognition. Yeah. And this is clearly, like, a, a laugh of recognition <laughs> of where, like, yeah, that makes total sense for that guy. Oh, my God. It adds to the to and a moment that could have been otherwise... Uh, irrelevant, like... Not so much irrelevant, but, like, way more uh, uh, sweet. Not memorable. Yeah, and it does. It's not. It, it doesn't break it either. It's not like uh, self-aware or oh, it didn't break it at all. Yeah, it it added it. to it. Yeah, yeah. So we have that little moment, which is one of the great moments. Um, we have Luke and Vader fight. Amazingly lit sequence when they fight. All in time out. Time out. Time out. Real quick. Yeah. To add to the badassness of Boba Fett, if you go to the part mm. where Luke is falling into the trap of reaching the room to fight vader when boba is walking in the hallway with han and carbonite and luke is like around the corner like and he draws this pistol you Mm. hear the sound of the pistol boba immediately turns his head and notice it like he hears it and he knows exactly that luke is there and then he's just waiting around the corner and starts shooting at luke like that little thing it was just so subtle but like you know adds to the coolness of boba just a little bit because if he's able to pick up this subtle little sound of a weapon being unholstered like you know he he has a lot more to him than you know just the few appearance lets on well yeah but you can barely see that though you have to do like a zoom on the dvd in order to (laughs) no you don't stop it (laughs) well yeah i don't know but it's not like in well, whatever. I get go it. Back you, and, you go like back him. and watch it. Yeah, and no, I've, seen it. It. I I've like seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I, you remember when I first saw it? I've seen this movie a million times. The first time I saw it is when you <laughs> sat me down and showed it to me on YouTube. Are you I, serious? Yeah, I had never noticed the fact that he turned. Wow. Because I, I never thought it was important. Actually, you I still don't, care don't think about it's. Boba, but I yeah, do. So but I, I look at. I, I dissect. You dissect I Boba scenes. You yeah. dissect all Boba scenes, all two of them. <laughs> Especially Attack of the Clones. Yep. Sure. Yep. Well, attack. I love Django. Django is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think Django's cool. I think Boba is the lesser one. But I think anyway. Django is technically Boba. <laughs> well, but no, not really. They're different people. 
I mean, yeah, uh, but they're also the same person. <laughs> yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. You could say all the clones are the same, but they're all different. You know, you know what I mean? Boba was unaltered. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the Luke and Vader fight. Yeah, Luke and Vader are fighting. It's amazingly lit. Uh, there are a, a little <laughs> bit of... Uh, what? There's a bit of, of trash talk when he's like, you're not a Jedi yet. And then he's like, you'll find I'm full of surprises. And like all too easy when the moment Vader tries to freeze Skywalker to take him to the Emperor. And then look, force jumps. The first time we've seen the force jump, like in full glory. Wait, my favorite shot, I think, in all of Star Wars is mm-hmm. in that scene. The when vader says but you're not a jedi yet that mm-hmm. shot of vader as just a silhouette yeah. with the orange and blue lights mm-hmm. oh my god it is just so beautiful and then luke just walks up into the shadow and then ignites his lightsaber and then you just see the slow red lightsaber just coming out like it's oh it's yeah just so beautiful i it's love still, the, I it love still gives me goosebumps that mo- that thing you said the the slow lights red lightsaber yeah that's 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 the shit that's the key that yeah, that's, that's the, the goosebumps <laughs> moment if we get the lightsaber working then what is it that's the key that's the jar jar whatever uh, <laughs> we get uh, to the fight uh luke is getting his ass handed to him yeah. uh, vader is clearly in control and this last moment when vader gets pissed also like if any toy story 2 fans you can tell there's a lot of, of, of stuff in the opening of toy story 2 that was drawn from this movie mm-hmm. i mean even later with the I am your father. So we get to this, uh, the great plot twist of all time. Now, the story behind this is, this is a great story, by the way. Um, nobody knew in the set, in the production, the actors didn't know, nobody knew. It wasn't on the script. The fact that Vader said, I am your father. Mm-hmm. What said in the script was, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan killed, killed your father. Your father. Right. So uh, that was the script that everyone uh, read. And that was the thing that even the actor inside Vader's costume, David Prowse, didn't yep. know what he was actually saying. He actually yeah. said the line, Obi-Wan killed your father inside the suit. So uh, the story, as Mark Hamill tells it, is he gets uh, <laughs> taken into Avon uh, uh, Kirshner's trailer uh, dressing room. And George Lucas was in there, I think. And... He tells Mark Hamill, so I'm going to tell you something. I know, George Lucas knows, and when I tell you, you'll know too. So if it leaks, we'll know it was you. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what? what? And he's like, uh, this is the line we're doing. And then he read it, I am your father. And then Luke, and then Mark Hamill is like, wait, is this true? <laughs> so he's already in character. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, we're going to play it like it's true. It's just, it's amazing, man. Like, so the only person that knew this was Mark, Mark Hamill in the in the cast. I mean, mm-hmm. and in the production, only like the 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 really tight group of people. And so when David Prowse, the actor inside Vader, says Obi Wan killed your father, what Mark Hamill is reacting to, what he's acting, is him reacting to a different thing that that Vader said. Mm-hmm. And it's a great thing because a lot of actors feed off of the energy of the other. They, like a lot of their work is better when the other actor like bounces the ball back and forth. But he had to react way, like a way bigger reaction because he knew that he, what he was being told wasn't what the actor was saying, 
which is crazy. It's mind boggling when you think. It's also a little weird. Like if you think about it, if, if the line was actually Obi-Wan killed your father and um, Luke says, that's not true. That's impossible. And Vader says, search your feelings. You know it to be true. Why would he know that to be true? You know, like, well, that maybe that line wasn't in there either. Maybe like maybe that was just added. If, yeah. If there was another line instead of that. Yeah, I guess. But, but so either so, way, it's the great, the great movie plot twist and the greatest movie plot twist of all time. And it's great also in, I think in great part, not only because the movie is great and it comes at the end, but because you've been living with the fact that Vader is Vader, the killer of Anakin Skywalker for three years when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. You already thought of Vader as the great icon of villainy. Yep. So uh, this <laughs> this twist at the end of the second movie changes, recontextualizes everything about everything. that movie and the previous one. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy when you think about how it's so earth-shattering. And, and it was so earth-shattering that people thought he was lying. Mm-hmm. And they had to reiterate in Return of the Jedi they had to have Yoda confirm yeah. that he was actually his father mm-hmm. to alleviate that because mm-hmm. people thought that he was lying. Yeah, exactly. And it's great. That's a great reaction from Mark, I think. Yeah. Because he plays it completely straight. He played it great. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and so Luke uh, jumps. He's like, join me. Vader is like, join me. He and jumps we'll down a bottomless down. pit. Like, yeah. So there's a clear connotation, even though they never say it. Is I'd rather die. It's like his last yep. fu, his middle mm-hmm. finger to Vader, where he's like, "I'd rather die than join you." Mm-hmm. And he gets uh, sucked in into a event. I always thought as a kid that was weird. Like, how did he survive? Like, what is is there like a, an air current that he? Gets I think it was into? an air current. Yeah. But it's it's funny because they never really explain it. I explain buy into it. it. I think it's fine. But as a kid, I was always like, that's that's one of the things that I was like, that's a little bit convenient. <laughs> oh, so that was so that you'll think about, but you won't think about like where they land on the planets. Of course. I mean, they, he throws himself <laughs> down into a bottomless pit. Then suddenly the bottomless pit conveniently <laughs> had like suction points around that. No, had but, him, like, he wasn't but the trying best part, to go into one of those. He pits. lands. He lands in. So he jumps down the pit and he lands in one of those air ducts and you're like, oh, he's all right. And then it's just oh, like, yeah. nope. And then the, the thing releases and he just gets sucked out. It's just like shit on top of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Then he, he gets released and then he falls even further down. And, he's and then just he's hanging just screwed because there's nowhere to go. Yeah, he's hanging from his thing. And, he's and that was the ben. cool little tease of Leia being his sister to right. where they have this connection. Well, something we we uh, we overlooked earlier is when Luke leaves Yoda to go save his friends. There um, is another. There's a moment. Yeah, exactly. When Yoda says there is another. As far as saying, when when Ben hero. says there's there's no, he was our last hope. Yeah, he says there is another hope. Yeah. Uh, and so that that was an enigma as well. As a, as a kid, you were like, well, who is that? Mm-hmm. Who's that other? And you don't find it out in this movie, but this but is also, the only indication that it might be Leia. Yeah. And they start connecting through the Force. But even as a kid, I wasn't like, oh, that means they're a brother and sister. To me, that was only like Luke is reaching out to her through the Force, and I felt like that was more him doing it than her participating in the Force aspect of it. But when you look at it back 
knowing that their brother and sister and she was also force sensitive, it makes sense that she was the one who received that message. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, we get this moment. Luke gets rescued. Um, Leia kisses him again. <laughs> I mean, it was more like a like a breathing next to him, feeling really bad kind of kiss. No, like a pity Just kiss. Like a, like a not like a pity kiss, but like a <laughs> she cares for him and he's hurt kind yeah. of kiss. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's the thing, and um, uh, Luke starts skyping with Vader again, and <laughs> tells him, uh, "Father, are you there?" Luke. Right away, he starts calling him "Father." Luke, you didn't notice Turn that? Luke is, Luke is the one the that calls him father story. before Vader calls him son. Yeah. Uh, so he gets the robotic. So they escape, and Vader exits the movie the same way that he entered it. It's just walking down a corridor and all his like officials looking up to him like, fuck, is he going to choke us? And he's just, he just kind of looks at the, the window. He's like, I'll get him at some point and just walks back. And we get that moment. Luke's got his hand. Uh, Lando wears Han's clothes for some reason in the Falcon. <laughs> uh, we get the, the final shot is them looking into the supernova and the, the, like going down into the ship, the space, space shot of the, of the rebel fleet. Uh, and then going on a mission to rescue Han on Tatooine, as, as Luke says. Listen, I don't know what... All right. We, can, we can't talk about our rankings as far as, like... We're going to do that at the very end of all these episodes okay. of of the episodic what we rank the movies. But overall, thoughts on Empire? Briefly. I think Empire... So here's the thing. Everyone loves Empire. Empire is everyone's favorite. It's not my favorite. I think it's perfect from beginning to end for the most part. I think like there's nothing I challenge creatively. I just think um, the other movies are more fun. You know, I think A New Hope is more fun. It has a lighter tone. And I think Return of Jedi is more fun. And some of the other movies is more are more fun. But we're talking about the main three because they're the ones that are up there in the ranking really. empire isn't your favorite no i think return of jedi is probably my favorite we'll get to really it. yeah because i think uh, i think return of the jedi uh helps empire into seeming like it's better than it is when you know the nuance of vader and his turn i, I mean think... that is that is the greatest part about return is like yeah. the the, the father son dynamic and that whole story, you know, the battle with the, you know, with the Emperor and Han and, or I mean, uh, Luke and Vader, just the excellence of those scenes. Yeah. Really make that a better movie compared to think, the rest of it. I think, I think, uh, uh, Return of the Jedi helps uh, Empire it, look it, better. It definitely does enhance Empire for yeah. the, the Darth Vader moments with so Luke. I think Empire gets a lot of the credit that really belongs to Return of the Jedi. Because I, I think, think a lot an, of the Katai I, I just think I'm not saying Empire overall, is bad, by the way. Yeah, no, of course. I just think it's excellent. I, just, I think <laughs> as an overall film, compared to all the other Star Wars films, Empire is the most complete. It's probably the, the, the best direct, the best acted, or, or right, right, well, of the originals, definitely the best acted, the best directed, like with the actors. It's yeah. more elegant than the other two, the way it's shot. That's there's no denying. But I think I like the 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 more the the, the lighter stuff in Star Wars. And even though this one has a lot of that Flash Gordon adventure stuff, which is great, uh, I think Empire 
it's a little bit darker it's a little bit weirder not necessarily like if i if i have to watch a, a new hope or empire i'd probably watch a new hope because i think remember we said last time a new hope you could watch a new hope and not watch any other star wars movie and you'd be fine because it encapsulates everything that yeah. star wars is i don't think empire has that over a new hope it I doesn't. think it, it's not a complete meal. I, I mean, it is a complete meal, but it doesn't have an ending. You know, it's 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 the middle, the middle. It's, it's a middle bridge. movie. You know, exactly. It's the perfect kind of middle movie. Exactly. It leaves you wanting more. It gives you a lot to go off of from the first one. So much more character building and story building. It's just, it's an overall complete package. I think. I think it's mainly because. It, it's way more character driven than the first one, I think. Yeah. So I think that's the one of the great things people like to think about Empire that way. Mm-hmm. What do you, What do you think? Do you, is it your favorite? Number one. Yeah, it's it's definitely my favorite. Yeah. I would say my numbers, like my order, has changed for sure. Mm-hmm. Of like the episodic Star Wars films in recent times, um, mm-hmm. but we'll get into that later. But Empire is still my number one. Mm, okay i mean i'm saying empire is still my probably my top five for sure. <laughs> top oh five i don't yeah, hope so for, sure. for no Jeez, no for sure for, for sure it's in the top five Jesus. but but uh i don't like look at it the way a lot of people do where it's like unquestionably the best one i i i, I mean i i, I mean i, I think there's that. some because debate the craft, you can have you know yeah because the craft is is like second to none and um but the as me as a fan of the all of the star wars not my favorite one you know not my number one all right is that okay with you that's fair (laughs) everyone has their own opinion all right great shit but if it's the last jedi you're wrong well we'll get to that (laughs) in a couple episodes oh god (laughs) all right you want to bring us out all right yep so this has been a great eventful episode i think uh where are we at in time probably an hour and 30 minutes but Jesus I'll probably, Christ. like i'll edit it down you know what sure. this this was a good discussion though i like and, this uh, one the best of our I, I honestly do too because we we hit all the right notes of as far as um you know we weren't too heavy into one subject we kind of mm-hmm. like hit everything you know yeah um but yeah, I really like this one and I look forward to us talking about Return of the Jedi. There's a lot of stuff to go over and uh, it's going to be good and we'll continue doing this. Yeah. So we would just like to say, uh, may the force be with you. Always. And we'll see you next time. Dang,